17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I'm Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore with my guy, Cordell Woodland from Shaking Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan here in Baltimore. And uh, as we learned recently, Cordell, um, Baltimore County uh, Police has suspended, I believe is the, the term that they use, the investigation on um, Zay Flowers regarding a domestic violence situation. And so um, we know that there was a lot of concern um, in terms of, first of all, you know, if something happened, if, if, if someone was, um, you know, assaulted or whatever. So the, obviously I think that the biggest concern that we, had was the safety of everybody involved, right? I want to be clear on that. Um, But obviously, with the uncertainty of what is going on, there was also uh, a concern regarding what the Ravens were going to do um, in terms of um, Zay Flowers. And I'm sorry, I I said suspend, but the actual term is closed. They closed the investigation. So I want to clarify that. Um, But there was a lot of concern regarding like what was going to happen, because then what would the Ravens need to do? And then how high was wide receiver a priority for them, depending on the outcome? Um, As we know, as of now, that the case is closed without charges. Um, So hopefully that means that no one was hurt and there was no, you know, nothing happened. But where do you go from here if you're the Ravens? Because at the end of the day, Cordell, um, a report was filed. Um, you know, uh, allegedly police came. Um, allegedly there's a 911 tape. So if you're the Ravens organization, how do you move with, say, going forward, even though it's a closed case at this point? Yeah, it's a tricky one um, because it is a closed case, but there's, you know, there were details in the articles that were released that that wasn't good. You know, when you hear about um, the woman talking about the situation, when you hear about some of her, I guess, reasoning to not want to continue to go forward. I mean, that's essentially what happened. They, yeah, she, they didn't have anybody to be able to um, go all the way in and, 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 you know, give them a reason to continue the investigation, to continue to pursue charges. And remember, they was never, um, Baltimore police wanted it to be clear um, that he was never, a suspect and he hadn't been charged with anything, but right. when you read the reports, they're indicating that they believe it was him. Um, mm-hmm. And so where the Ravens go from here, I don't know. I mean, I, I think something's probably going to come down from the league once the league gets involved and they do their own um, investigation. Most likely we will see some sort of disciplinary action. 
I'd have to assume. Yeah. yeah, I would. I would assume that that'll be the case, and maybe that'll be where it ends. Um, who knows? Because I think at this point, if they do, if the Ravens decide to uh, go and 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 actually do something on their own, then they're pretty much um, all but admitting that they believe that something. Mission of guilt in a weird way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I I think that they're going to allow the league to do what the league does in their own investigation and let the league pretty much handle it, and they'll follow suit with what the league says the Ravens aren't going to come out and talk about it on their own they'll be asked about it they'll say little to nothing about it yeah um, and that'll be how this thing goes but I I would imagine that we're not going to see the Ravens do much on their own yeah I, I agree with you and and it to me it's still a double-edged sword right um in terms of like what action or non-action happens if the Ravens choose to do it like you said it feels like in some form or shape of an omission of guilt, uh, uh, like something happened. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? If they don't, and then the league does it, then everybody's going to say, well, why didn't the Ravens do it? So you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, uh, if you don't in this situation. Um, so that being said, um, if there's a possibility, which you and I believe that, you know, maybe the league comes down and suspends him for a couple of games or such, you know, there's still, um, I think, situations with the wide receiving core that need to be addressed. Now, we do know that the Ravens signed, re-signed Nelson Aguilar to a one-year deal, which I love, by the way. Love that. Mm -hmm. You and I, you yourself, and I just piggybacked on you, you had a tweet the other day that kind of went, <laughs> it took off. I, I thought that it was very weird that it took off because I thought it was. A I consensus. did too. Like I, I mind you, full disclosure. I'm I'm at a bar. I'm chilling, and we were just talking about football. And it just so I, I just tweeted it, but it was one of those like you said. I just tweeted it, put my phone away, and I came back, and it was just oh, it yeah. must it must have been a slow night for Ravens. Twitter. It definitely was. Um, and to paraphrase Cordell's tweet, he basically said, like, this is an average wide receiving core. Um, and I agreed with the sentiment that this is a wide, uh, average core. So now, and, and I bring that up, Cordell, because there's a possible suspension looming for Zay Flowers from the league. Yes, you resigned Nelson Aguilar. Um, but then we have conversations about if the Ravens are going to pick up Rashad Bateman's fifth year option, which he will, he, it doesn't mean he won't play here in 2024 because he will, unless they trade him, um, Odell Beckham Jr. We don't know how that's going to turn out. So at this, at this point, you have Isaiah Flowers that potentially could get some type of reprimandation, um, and what happened with the, the alleged domestic violence situation. You have a Rashad Bateman who has zero chemistry with Lamar Jackson up until now. And if they decline, the option is on his last year of his contract. You have Nelson Aguilar, who is one year on his contract. If you're the Ravens, and I understand that the, there's money, there's not a lot of money um, like available, but um, you got to figure this out. And I know what we'll say is they got a draft, which I completely agree with, right? You do got to continue to try to swing at the draft. But if you feel like that you're a championship caliber team, I don't think keep you can't keep somebody's veteran presence is going to be needed. And while I think that Nelson Aguilar is a great player, I don't think that that's enough to bolster that wide receiving group, considering all the outliers that I just mentioned. Yeah, I mean, and, the, the one thing I want to remind people, 
because everybody wants to go to Bateman and talk about his separation rate and everything like that. Nobody is saying that Rashad Bateman can't play. I, I have said on this show, I've said on my show, I've said on Twitter, I like Rashad Bateman. I think he can play. I don't know what his ceiling is, but if we're all being honest, everything we talk about with Rashad Bateman is potential. It's about things that he does or can do that haven't been able to necessarily turn into production. So what good is it to continue to dwell on the separation rate when he ain't getting the ball. He's not getting the ball. And, and even when they do throw him the ball, nothing good seems to happen. And I think people need to accept Lamar's not going anywhere. Bateman's right. the one with one year left on his deal. So it's no point in continuing to keep talking about the same things. Yes, he's getting the separation. He's a great route runner. That's always been the case with him. I remember in his rookie year, I said that that was one of the things that really blew me away was his sharp route running. That's not mm -hmm. it. Um, but again, what does it mean if he gets open and isn't able to finish the play uh, by continuing to run his route 100% or by his quarterback maybe giving him a ball that's on target? It, mm -hmm. it doesn't change anything. They just yep. don't have that connection right now. Um, so there's no point in me continuing to sit here and hope that they just show up one day and look good. They had times in training camp two years ago where they looked sharp, where that connection was spectacular. And then you get to the games, and yeah, it's there one week, but then you don't see it, you don't hear from them anymore. So um, I just I just think that's turning into damaged goods slowly but surely mm -hmm. uh, as, he's, as he's in Baltimore. And look, I I think that the wide receiving core does need to be improved, but I will say this. If, if they were to go and get a stud running back, that would kind of make it so for me that, okay, you add to the running back room, you may not need the cream of the crop wide receiver. If you give, if, if it's like, if you get us, and I'm not, I'm not saying that they should go this route. I'm, this is just an analogy, but if they go and say on Barkley, then you don't, necessarily need a Mike Evans vice versa if you go get Mike Evans you don't need a, 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 you may you probably don't need a Saquon Barkley so I just think that they need an upgrade in some of their weapons in general um because Zay is good but we don't know what's about to happen obviously Mark's there and likely but I'm still hesitant to see if that can coincide together while they're on the field. I, I would prefer them get a running back, but I will also acknowledge that their wide receiver core is average. I know we can sit here and say that the two tight end sets will could be it, it, it was particularly with Todd Monken can be effective, and I agree with that. But I, my thing is, Cordell, if this people think that if the Ravens pay for uh, a higher profile running back than what they have. Maybe they'll use them in the playoffs. And I, I'm on the other side of this. I don't think that that's going to change. I think that if the chips go down that the way that they are not expecting it to, they're going to start throwing, whether we like it or not. So if that's going to be the case, you need to upgrade your wide receiving room. Yes, the tight end room is very good. And, I, and, and good, great. You know what I'm saying? Great. I'm not interested in them looking into trading Mark Andrews. I'm, you know, whatever. Um, but if what I think, is true, which is 
when they get into the playoffs and they feel like that they, they start getting a little antsy because they've got behind because of something that they're not used to, they start throwing, then you need to uh, add a big addition to that room, period. Um, you know, I running backs ain't expensive, so I feel no type of way about adding a running back. Um, I understand it's a better cap sell to say I'll, I'll upholster the running back situation. And the guy like Saquon Barkley um, can also catch passes as well. Um, but I think that that is something that they're going to, you can't keep just putting just average talent, you know, um, and think that in the playoffs that that's going to count. And while Patrick Mahomes is able to do that. Patrick Mahomes is on a completely different stratosphere than the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. So um, comparison is the thief of joy is what I was always told. And, and, and what Patrick Mahomes is doing is nothing like what the rest of these guys can do, including Lamar. And that is obviously not a knock because Lamar is a two-time MVP, right? But there's some people are special at certain things. Some people are better at other things. And if you're going to throw the ball, you're going to need a better core, period. That's how I feel about that. Um, so it will be interesting to see with the situation with Zay and with the the looming potential of a suspension on the rise, how they handle this wide receiving room moving forward. Obviously, there are other things that the Ravens uh, have some concerns about when it comes to uh, making some decisions. And we'll talk about that. So another decision, Cordell, that essentially the Ravens need to make is what exactly they will be doing with Justin Matabike. As we know, he is up to be a free agent, although the Ravens have an opportunity to use the franchise tag for the first time on him so that he won't see the free market and try to work a deal. Now, um, we're in we're, we're getting to the franchise tag period where you can begin using them. I don't necessarily think that the Ravens are going to do that immediately. I think that they'll try to wait it out and maybe see if something can shake before the deadline in terms of when they can um, tag him. What do you think? Do you think that he's essentially a lock to receive the tag? Do you think that the Ravens will allow him to move forward in free agency and say, you know, get back to us? Yeah, I, I think, well, I, I definitely don't think they'll let him walk out the building. You know, I, I think one way, or one, one way or another, he'll be in Baltimore uh, next season. Um, I think the most likely outcome is the franchise tag, uh, but I do think they'll try to get something done. I just, if I'm the Ravens, I'm cautious about getting a deal done with Matabike, a long-term deal done with Matabike right now. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think if they get a deal done, a long-term deal done with him right now, that's a win for him because his value will never be as high as it is today. It just really won't be. Um, I don't, I'm not, I think, I think Matabike is a really good player. I think this, what he did this past season was kind of a, um, a, a build up to this point. Um, but it, and it took some time for us to, to see him play at this level. And I just look at the position of the, of an interior defensive lineman. And you look at the fact that Matabike had 13 sacks leading all interior defensive linemen is can he replicate that is is my question because that's what you're paying for you pay him right now you're paying for him 
to be an elite interior pass rusher and not just be a guy that probably sets up other people. You're paying for production at that point. And when I look at some of his uh, his win rates, and I, I I I think I think Matabike is one of the better defensive tackles in the league. I just don't know if the guy we saw this season is who he truly is uh, through and through. I don't know if that's who he'll be, who he'll be for the next five seasons. Um, and I think for the Ravens, they need to figure out what his floor is. What is what is what are they willing to accept from Matabike to where they will deem it a success? Um, is that seven to eight sacks and he's a tear in the run game and he is still a force in terms of a pressure guy in, uh, from the middle of your interior defensive line? Um, or are you, you know, hoping that he is this 10 to 13 sack guy a year and is kind of like the second coming of Aaron Donald and, and is the next premier interior pass rusher. What do they truly think of him? And I don't think that they can answer that right now based off of the sample that we've been given to this point in his career. Again, this season was great, but it's his only great season. I'm of the mindset of, you got to show me again. And I think that's what the Ravens are doing. It'll be an expensive show me again on the franchise tag, but that's the route I would, I'd rather go that route than lock myself into some, you know, five-year, you know, hundred-plus million-dollar deal, something like that, because we're talking about an elite pass rush. That's what they would be paying him as, an elite interior pass rusher. He's going to break the bank. I mean, uh, my man uh, Chris Jones is about to get 30-plus million this year, and Chris Jones is on the wrong side of 30. Now, granted, he's a stud, completely yeah. Um, but that goes to show you when you have a guy like that and the Ravens may believe that they do in Justin Matabike, you're going to have to pay. It's almost like paying all, you know, it's obviously not the same as the quarterback, but it's, it's the same thing where you're reluctant because you don't know what it's going to be like going forward. But right now, you, you don't, it's not many of them in the league. Matabike has shown himself to be a possible one, but I'd make him show me again. Yeah, uh, to, for reference, um, defensive tackle franchise tag for 2024 is um, projected to be 20.9, so roughly 21 million on average um, that he'll receive. And to your point, basically, like a lot of guys play very well on their contract years because, you know, they're trying to get some extra money. Now, I don't know how that works in terms of like if you're on a, a franchise tag, do, are you if you're able to play at a high level two years in a row, do you just say, all right, you're worth the money or do you just feel like this is somebody that's playing, it's overachieving because they are trying to get a big payday. I mean, at that point, you know, if, if he, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. The player yes. won at that point, he wins, you know, if he goes out there next year and gets 13 and a half sacks and is just as dominant, if not more dominant next year than he was this year, what are you going to do great. at that point now? He probably outprices himself. You know? Yeah, that's a valid point probably outprices himself at that point and you know and already kind of probably ticked them off using the franchise tag the year before so it'll I don't know if they'll even be able to meet that at that point and mm-hmm. maybe Travis Jones is the second who knows who knows how it goes but yeah if he if a player goes out there and balls out on the franchise tag they deserve whatever they get at that point in my opinion 
Yeah, I, I, it'll be very interesting to see because, like you said, you know, last year was his biggest year, and for obvious reasons. Look, and so sometimes too, players are slow starters, and mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes money, you know, puts you in a position to step your game up a little bit, right? But also. It's very possible that, you know, I mean, year one, year two, year three, you know, it is still learning years for some and some learn faster than others. But it will be interesting to see um, how the Ravens handle this, because, again, as we talked about in the last segment, I mean, you know, they're, they're still trying to pinch pennies. And as far as I'm concerned with the whole like um, signing Michael Pierce and signing Aguilar and changing the contract of Odell. So the, the voided years money um, doesn't affect the cap. And um, while it'll go up considerably for 2024, I mean, there's still other moves that's going to have to be made. And then there's Lamar's contract that's going to start eating up on the cap. So um, I'm interested to see how this goes. And, and, and I'll be quite honest with you, Cordell. I haven't really looked at the out uh, the list of defensive tackles that are up for free agency. I mean, I know that Chris Jones is, but a mm-hmm. uh, caliber player that you feel like if you lose Matabike, well, this guy can fit in. Because I don't think Chris Jones. I don't think that that. Well, if Chris Jones is going to command that kind of money, I, you might as well keep who you have. I guess is my yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I'm I'm looking at a couple of them now. I mean, they're on the upper side uh they're they're pretty older uh you already mentioned chris jones chris jones is uh about to be 30 i think right now um dj reader fletcher cox who's already 30 plus sheldon rankins um those i mean those are kind of christian wilkins um is is one it looks like um he's an unrestricted free agent so he's probably going to be one of those names that you mentioned as well javon kinlaw uh, is as well. So, I mean, there's there's some guys there, but when you look at what Matt Abike did, he put himself in an elite, you know, category, and he's, and he's still young. This is a guy who's just now hitting the end of his rookie deal. Um, yep. And I would also say about Matt Abike, and, and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to make it seem like I'm knocking him. I, I, I really like Matt Abike a lot, uh, more as a person than I do as a player, for reference. Uh, but just given the other side of the coin. I wouldn't be, you know, if you're the Ravens, you probably are looking at how much did guys like Clowney and Van Noy and and all, you know, who were able to have great years of their own, how right. much did they help in, in in his success yep. this year. Um, we know is as, as disruptive as anybody. His motor goes as as fast as anybody's out there. So how many sacks? Did they help get for him? We saw Patrick Queen, who was a great blitzer this year, on some of those stunts, opening things up. The scheme itself. I remember early in the season we had a conversation when the sacks weren't where it seemed like the Ravens had to blitz to get the sacks, and we were talking about whether or not we were worried about that. The, I said the scheme. I, I trusted the scheme to be able to continuously get them sacks, and it did two years in a row. Uh, right. So. Um, I think all of those are factors when you talk about investing this kind of money into that position. I completely agree with you. So we'll see how this goes. I, again, I don't think that this is something that the Ravens are going to do right away. They have some time. Um, but, you know, don't be surprised if this is something that they tend to do and uh, move forward with in the coming weeks. All right. So as we know by now, Cordell, the Ravens, um, 
at this point did not re-sign Kevin Zeitler, the right guard. Um, the other day was the deadline for void year and dead cap hips. And by then, um, a lot of people thought that maybe they would have something worked out, but that time had come and passed and Zeitler did not receive a new deal, which to me means um, him returning to the Ravens seems unlikely and that he will, you know, test the market in free agency. We already know that Zeitler last year wasn't necessarily happy with his contract and, you know, um, voiced that to the organization. So this is an interesting situation. Um, outside of Tyler Lindenbaum, who they, they're going to have on a rookie deal up because this is his third season. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have John Simpson, who I believe is a free agent. There is the discourse with Ronnie Stanley and how people feel about him, including the organization as a left tackle. Um, Zeitler, who I think a lot of us believe that that ship is going to sail or has sailed. Uh, Morgan Moses, who is older and dealt with some injuries uh, throughout the year. It has been rumored that the Ravens are looking to get younger and more athletic on the offensive line. And a lot, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with, you know, Lamar Jackson being able to extend plays with his legs. But there's possibly, uh, very, very possibly, four spots here that we're talking about on the offensive line. The good thing, though, is this is an offensive line class coming into the draft that is one of the deepest that the NFL has seen in quite some time. The bad thing is, is that there'll be rookies, right? Um, You do have some guys um, currently on the roster that you could potentially look into. You got Fa'alele. A lot of people thought that Ben Cleveland played well um, when he was on the field. Uh, Voorhees is coming off of an ACL. And and so while we still don't know the the situation from that, um, prior to his injury, he played very well. So when you look at the potential concerning offensive line, how do you see this shaking out, quite frankly? Do they do they re-sign some guys? Do they go with what they have internally? Do they go into free agency? How, how do you, I guess, reupholster what is uh, this offensive line is going to be? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's going to be some drastic changes. You know, uh, I I'm not holding out hope that Kevin Zeitler returns at this point. Um, the left guard spot, John Simpson's a free agent, so th- that's two guards right there that you're going to have to to fill potentially and. I'm still not convinced that, you know, both tackles are going to be back next year. Um, I don't know which one. If not, you know, I don't either. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I I can't really see a scenario where they let both of these guys go, but I could definitely see a situation where at least one of them aren't back. Yeah. Um, And that's a huge change. When you talk about a team that was just in the AFC championship game, to have that type of overhaul on your offensive line, that's that's pretty huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you and you know you have your franchise quarterback in Lamar, who's you know had his injury issues uh, a couple of seasons ago in consecutive seasons. So you know that that's definitely something. It, it, this year showed, if nothing else, if you keep Lamar upright, you have a chance. If you keep him healthy, you have a chance. If you're the Ravens, so that definitely will be priority 
number one for them. I think it's showing up the offensive line. So how do they go about doing it is the question. I mean, they're going to try to get as much cheap labor as they can. Mm -hmm. Um, So the draft will be important. They've got some guys on this team already who have had red shirt seasons. Again, you know, depending on more injury, you know, I don't want to say injury prone players, but players who have come into the league with injury questions. I mean, Andrew Voorhees, everybody wants to know about him and people are already kind of penciling him into the starting lineup. We don't even know if this dude can play. We don't know what he can do. Right. Um, So that's first. Um, We'll see what happens with that. Um, I thought Sala, the the left guard, I thought took a, probably took a step back to be honest with you. It was telling to me how he went from being in the running for the left guard competition to really kind of just playing his way out of it and mm-hmm. to playing his way out of any type of playing time whatsoever. I mean, I think back to that Steelers game in week 18, didn't even, I didn't, I didn't see him on the field pretty much at all. I don't think he played at all in that game. So that kind of tells me a lot about what they think of him. Now, sure, that he could make a huge jump this offseason and come back and is, you know, looking better. You hope he is at least. Um, but I don't have my expectations for him in terms of this upcoming year. So I, I do think they'll they'll utilize the draft mostly. They may get signed a vet. They'll definitely sign at least one veteran. Yeah. Uh, come on that offensive line, but this isn't going to be an easy thing to to piece back together because even if we're just talking about the guys that are still there, what type of year Stanley and Moses going to have, you know, next year, I don't know if Stanley can bounce back um, and get back to the guy that we all hope that he, he still can be. And and for Moses, I don't think Moses played bad, honestly, this year, all things considering Uh, definitely banged up. Um, but can he can he get pull it pull together a, a healthy enough season and and still stabilize that right side of the offensive line? We'll see. What is your thought thoughts on um, John Simpson in terms of uh, first of all, Morgan Moses is thirty two years old. I don't know if that matters to y'all, but he's definitely up there and when the season starts he will be 33 years Mm -hmm. old something to just kind of take into account um go ahead i I would just say to that i mean that like yeah you get into your mid-30s at that point um but offensive line can be one of those you know season positions you know what i'm saying like zeitler was 34 this year or 33 um and and I you know play I thought he played pretty well outside of getting injured on the back end of the season. I thought I thought Zeitler was pretty good, but yeah, I mean obviously you know when people get to the to the mid thirties, you you start you know wondering how much do they have left in the tank. Um, but Moses, the, the to his credit, he has been known throughout his career to kind of be that Iron Man. So this year was a little weird for him to have to get to the points where he's missing games or in a rotation that's just not something he usually does he usually plays through injuries he is nicked yeah. up quite a bit i'll give him that um but this was a weird year i would say for him and really for kevin zeitler who who is also kind of an iron man up to himself i agree with you there so in, a, in in the terms of um like a guy like john simpson um who i think we could probably all say he was probably the he was probably the 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 least 
basically it feels like you know you would want to. Re- I'm trying to find a nice way. To- <laughs> it was funny I was about getting me. a kick out of you trying to figure out how to. You know, I'm trying. I'm trying. And look, I have it on the tip of my tongue. It's just not coming out. But I mean, look, um, he's, he's probably you know he's the most replaceable. Let me say right, that. I mean, right, he's right, the right, most right. replaceable guy in the group. Yeah. Um. Do you do you just change that with what you currently have? Do you because the interior line really John Simpson was the weakest link, but the interior line was was fairly decent when you I, look at what they yeah, did. I'd have to go back and like really watch a lot of the film to see how I truly feel about John yeah. Simpson. I could give you how I feel um on a surface level. I, I think he's solid, you know. I think he's solid and he's a guy that if nothing else. I think you could get them for, well, we'll see. I mean, when you start for, uh, the you know, the team that had the best record in football and he's out there, just being out there every right. week means something in this league. Um, so I don't want to belittle that. Um, so just that in itself, he'll, he'll get calls. You know, I think he'll, I think he definitely had a bounce back season coming off of, you know, what he was doing out in uh, Vegas with the Raiders. This was yeah, for sure. definitely a, a huge step in the right direction for him. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked if he had some options, but if I'm the Ravens, if you could get him back, obviously at a number that you like, um, he could be one of those guys that, you know, at, at worst is like a fringe starter, which is pretty much what he was this year. If he's your backup left guard or something like that, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, at worst, he could be the guy that, you know, there's another left guard competition again this year for the third year in a row. And now, you know, he goes out there and he may win it again just off of familiarity or something like that. But at least, you know, you have a guy in that spot that you're comfortable with, that will be there every week. Um, that look, he's not the best, you know, he's not an all pro, uh, but he, he serves he's yeah. over there. And I don't, I don't think he's terrible. Yeah, I agree with that. So I, I I'm interested to see um, how that is exactly going to work itself out. It's definitely something that we'll be, we'll be watching. Uh, we talked about, um, Ronnie Stanley's um, cap hit before and after the June 1st, um, uh, cap date, you know, cut cap date, um, and how that could affect them. And, and, um, again, Morgan Moses is going to be 33 years old at the start of the season. So how that's going to work. Um, but if, if they rework 60% of this line, which is three players, I mean, that is a, that's an overall. Oh yeah. And that went to the NFC championship game. It really is. And this, like I said, that that's, that's pretty big. I think, you know, um, especially for a team like the Ravens where they like to lean on physicality. That, mm-hmm. That's kind of what they, that's what they do. That's how they win games. They win them in the trenches. And so, you know, Eric DeCosta at the end of the season press conference, he, you know, he, he said how important offensive line is to them and how they're constantly trying to um, revamp the offensive line and, and keep it fresh and, and make it and continue to keep it as one of the strengths of their team. And as many question marks and things as we had to say about the offensive line throughout the year, all in all, I do think they, they were, they were pretty, they were better than I think they, that a lot of us gave them credit for. Yeah. That said, um, I do think some of that is Lamar. I think some of the metrics makes the offensive line look, really good because at times Lamar did have like 10 seconds to throw the ball. Um, but at times it's, it's, it's for various reasons. Sometimes it is those guys just, you know, 
um, manning up on the guy in front of them. And also it's times it's Lamar just back there being Lamar and extending the play and making things happen. So um, we, we'll see, but I, I would anticipate that the Ravens want to continue to make the offensive line a strength of theirs. Absolutely. And probably want to get a little bit younger too in that yeah. regard. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be, yeah, and healthier. You know what I'm saying? So it will be interesting. There's a lot of question marks with guys that are currently on the roster. So again, I definitely think that they'll be uh, bolstering the depth at minimum in the draft. Um, but it will be interesting to see what they do in terms of free agency of um, in, improving that offensive line. So we'll be looking forward to that as the uh, first day of free agency is only just a couple of weeks away it starts in march and we'll be having more conversations about that i'm sure um, as we get closer to free agency so we want to thank you all for listening from cordell to me this is winning drive Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 